0: Cross comes in, White with the header. And here comes Whitehead, it's gold for Great Britain.
1: Yes, we are back on Chack and Ball <laughs> Podcast with myself, Richard Whitehead.
2: And I'm Ellen White.
1: And what a week we've had so far, with news of grassroots coming back, fans being reintroduced to stadiums, and our very own Ellen White scoring a hat-trick for England. Who are you playing, else?
2: We played Northern Ireland. I appreciate you mentioning that. Thank
1: you. Awesome. Well done. On our podcast, yeah, on our podcast today, we have multi-talented Olympian that has proven not only to be a superstar on the track, but also on the pitch. He's an advocate for changing sport. He's tussled with the likes of Usain Bolt and Justin Gatlin. But if you talk to people about this guy, they always talk about his infectious smile. Today we have Mr. Smiley himself, all the way from Florida. It's Adam <laughs> Jamili. Uh, you. How's it going, mate? Lovely. Yeah,
0: good. Thanks. Thank you very much for that introduction. That was lovely. Uh, yeah, good <laughs> well. Thank you. How are you guys doing? Yeah, yeah, good. Thank
1: thanks. you. Yeah, the weather good
0: though? So. Oh, ridiculous, mate. Yeah, it was. Oh, what is it? It's twenty six <laughs> at the moment, uh, and it's just it's just hit midday. So it's uh, yeah, it's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. Jealous. not
2: jealous not jealous at all
0: no i know Thanks. but the thing Thanks is in florida you. the weather the weather changes so often one minute yeah. it's 30 degrees next minute it's like 11 degrees so it's like yes yeah, it's pretty frustrating but uh yes i'd rather be here than uh back at home with the cold so <laughs>
2: <laughs> i don't blame you i don't blame you now um yeah thank you so much for joining us adam really appreciate it um and we've met briefly on that culture call uh from mm-hmm. ubsb so that was cool. Um, and it's also nice to hear from another athlete because it's it's quite boring speaking to Rich all kind of the time. So <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate you coming wow. on. And I also, mean too- and also you are the perfect guest because track star, but then also footballer, track and ball podcast. It just makes sense. It makes sense. So me and Rich, we love enjoying hearing about how people, athletes, get involved in sport like growing up. So Um, How did you or what was your kind of sport? um, Was it just athletics and football or was it a number of different sports when you're growing up?
0: Everything. So for me, yeah, I've always been sporty, um, always been energetic and fast. uh, And I think that just helps with every sport, having that speed. It just helps just having that natural athleticism. So in school, um, my parents let me do everything from swimming, even like netball, volleyball, rounders, cricket, cycling. Like I, I literally, I did not have a free day of the week. Every day after school, I was always doing some sort of activity. Uh, and then, yeah, found my love in football, joined a football team when I was like seven, seven years old. Yeah, I never play I hate, honestly, I used to not even, somebody used to roll, roll me the boys to pick it up and run away with it. And then, yeah, learned to actually understand and play, how to play it, and then absolutely fell in love with the game. Yeah. Um, two years at a local team and then was very very fortunate to get picked up by um chelsea's academy and i spent eight great years at chelsea which was some something not many people ever will get to experience because they taught me so much not just in sport but as a person how to how to be professional from such a young age it's always setting an example for the for the age group below you um but yeah always done sport and being in in their sport at that high level at that young age, it's it's sort of taught me a lot, which I've now brought into my track and field. But yeah, sport for me has been my life. I don't know what I'd do without it. Really, it's given me it's given me everything: confidence, uh, yeah, personality. Every, yeah, it's it's just developed me into such your a personality. It, everything, really. <laughs> Honestly, I was so introverted, I was so quiet, and then sport yeah. gives you the confidence to really come out of your shell and be around like minded people. And for me, that's I found that so.
2: How, how were you able to like combine training as a footballer and then doing athletics at the same time? Was it, was it quite challenging or was you oh, loving it? Was,
0: it? it was, I was, at the time, I was loving it. I was, I was 17, 18 years old. I was playing football. So I, I, I was at uh, Dagenham and Redbridge at the time. Um, and I remember just saying to them, oh, like, I, I made the team for the European juniors. So I dabbled in athletics and I made the European junior athletics team. Um, and I said to Dagenham, can I take a week off to go to uh, Tallinn in Estonia? And they were like, yeah, great, cool, go, <laughs> go win us, win us a medal, won two silvers there. Literally, I landed and was back in training the next day. And then, yeah, for the first, first leading up into the 2012 season, which was when I really made the switch full time, yeah, I was I was just training during the day for track and field, that for football. And then in the evenings, going to Lee Valley Athletic Centre and training for track and field. I was just loving it. I was like, it's so much exercise. I was just like, <laughs> sport, sport, sport. I was, I was absolutely... Um yeah, I was absolutely loving it. I'd come to I'd come to track and field and my knees would be like I'd be like, oh I've got a bit of a dead leg today and my coach was That's like, oh, grass like, stains on your knees. Honestly, right? Yeah, honestly, <laughs> like it was it was that sort of level and uh then eventually as a as I got a bit more serious, decided to make the switch focus yeah. solely on solely on track and field sort of beginning yeah. of 2012 in January. And yeah, uh, I want to talk yeah, about I'm that,
1: yeah. Back. Yeah, you obviously made that switch of 2012 and was that an easy decision obviously being introduced to football and then obviously track and field being there and the opportunity and who was also part of that decision
0: yeah it was it, honestly it was quite a heartbreaking decision it was it was such a difficult decision i I'd, I'd trained and, and worked my whole life for a pro contract in football and I finally got that, but the contract wasn't like it wasn't a superstar contract it was it was a good contract for the, for my age it was it was it was okay money and it was dagging and we were league one at the time so it was pretty it was good it was. It, it was good but I dabbled in athletics and I'd had relative success as a junior um, and my parents were very keen on education so for them they were like try athletics if you don't like it then go back to football um but if you do athletics you might also be able to get to go to, to university which you can't do as a um as a footballer, well, years ago you couldn't do. Nowadays you can, but yeah, years ago you couldn't do. Um, so I started. I was like, do you know what? Fine, I'll give athletics a shot. I'll give it my all for the rest of the year, for the rest of 2012, and we'll see what happens. And for me, I just picked it up so quickly. Training every day, being in and around professional athletes, like I, the group that I that I went into was so professional, and they really put me in my place, and they really taught me a lot of a lot of things about. How how you have to be. I, we trained with um, Jeanette Quachy, who is retired now, but she was at the time the only Olymp- only Olympic uh, finalist in the female sprints. She taught me so much, and uh, being in and around and amongst that group, literally. Yeah, it developed me into sort of a good sprinter, and I was really fortunate to make the Olympic team that year. So
1: some great <laughs> messages there, mate. Some great messages. What I what I took from what you just said there about not chasing the money—it's not all about self-gratification, no. but it's about what you're passionate about and follow that passion. We have a lot of kids that that listen to and watch these these podcasts, and that's a great message to pass on. Guys, look, follow your passion, and all the rewards will come.
0: Hundred percent, one hundred percent.
2: Now. Me and Rich were, were looking online last night. The Chelsea first team squad that that would have been playing when you were there. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> can you remember some of them players in the first team? and like?
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. I can remember. A few. I don't think any of my actual age group have gone on to play for the first team at Chelsea. It was always... So the one that the one that was the year above me, so I always used to play a year up, so I used to spend a lot of time with him, but I really thought he'd go and make it and break into that first team it was a guy called Josh McCracken. And he played at Chelsea yeah, and he was, honestly, he was a different, he was a different class. He was just a class above everyone. And it didn't quite happen for him. And and most recently, a good friend of mine, someone that is from my area. So we used to travel into Chelsea. He's a few years younger than me, but Ruben Loftus-Cheek, he's probably the one that's done the, the most successful. But yeah, I see some of the first team now and I'm like, wow, these guys are, Nathaniel Chalo, uh, Chalaba was a year below yeah. me as well, but. Um Yeah, it's so tough in a club like Chelsea. Like, mm. there's just so much money, and now football is so instantaneous. They want players that are ready. It's Can you name any to... of
1: the uh, the first team players that were actually in that season when you were at Chelsea? Yeah, oh,
0: yeah, for sure. It was all. Oh, I was there for eight years, so it was like it was the John Terry's, the Lampards, the Drogba's, the Essians, the Makalelis, even like good, ha- right? Quite even good. the Hasselbank and <laughs> and the Zola. Like they were they were. There's a different generation, man. They're like yeah. I was at Chelsea before Drogba. the money oh what beast. my what beast. goodness and do you know something about those guys is they were they always gave time to the academy as well which is oh,
2: nice. not a lot yeah.
0: of, not a lot of people know that and they don't make it public but they'd always spend so they'd do their training and they'd yeah. always come and watch the academy and jose um, and yeah. when jose mourinho was there he was a big advocate for that was mm-hmm. he used to come around and make sure we we're all feeling part of the club and doesn't matter if you're 9 10 11 12 you feel like you're in this football club and it's just oh it's yeah, it was as a Spurs fan it
1: killed me. Michael Essien, <laughs> Drogba, I was oh, like mate, going... the team was nasty man. The team was, was and
0: then they got Mikel and then they had Carvalho and Te- oh, yeah. oh mate the team was yeah Ashley Naughty. Cole on the left. Oh, Robin was <laughs> there. They oh mate I could talk all day about football like it's, yeah they um they were a fantastic team to to sort of see and they yeah. I think they were they won everything so
2: yeah.
0: Going going back to your 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 track career now,
1: mate. Um, junior championships how much did you learn from that that stepping stone and in terms of the transition to senior competition because you really did it quite soon after that junior competition what kind of experience did you take from that championships moving forwards and was that was that a benefit for you did that give you kind of the zest for potentially going to the olympics
0: in 2012 yeah it gave me everything making that world junior team and I was the favorite going into it i would never been the favorite for anything I was like I was pretty excited I was like <laughs> but pretty nervous as well but it was happening so quickly like everything was coming at me so quickly that year I was 18 years old I didn't really understand the scale of it and it was just easy it was just like I said it was just mm-hmm. happening there was no injuries there was no hardship it was just success 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 so I'd never had that I'd never had that sort of any reason to think it wasn't going to be like that my whole career. And then as you sort of make that transition, and for me it happened very quickly, I, I went to the World Junior Championships in 2012 and like two weeks later I was lining up in the Olympic Stadium for in 2012. I was like, what am I doing here? I feel so out of place. Six months ago I was kicking football on the, on the, on the field in Dagenham. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> um, you learn a lot. You have to learn a lot. And whereas you might go from being so successful, winning every single race you do as a junior, to maybe winning five, 10% of races as a senior, because there's no, at, at that level, there's no, oh, he's a young athlete. Like it's, everyone's racing everyone. They are all men on the line. It doesn't matter. They don't care if you're 17 or you're 27, everyone's running. Um, and everyone's trying to win um, and provide a, a fan for their families and stuff. So it's a, yeah, it takes a lot to, to sort of um, to learn and, and how to do that transition. But for me, I, it happened so quickly and as i saw such success i didn't quite realize the scale of what was happening i was just like, oh it's easy it's just i'm running and it's i'm running fast <laughs> and then when that doesn't when you start to get injured and you don't run fast that's when you then realize bloody hell like what i did as a junior was pretty mental and making that really, transition really like yeah. you know you know how much we train every day for 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 no guarantees really there's no guarantees you're going to make a team there's no guarantees you're not you're gonna you're gonna run fast but you sacrifice so much um And people put their whole livelihoods into sport. That, yeah, it's it's just it's mind blowing for me.
2: We've we've had on the podcast the likes of kind of Greg Rutherford, Becky Adlington, Tom Daly, um, and they've each spoken about kind of London 2012 and and (laughs) their experiences. Like for you, Adam, like what was that like? Um, And especially like you said, like in the lead up to it, qualifying very soon to to the Olympics as well.
0: Yeah, it was it was. Crazy. So the qualifying, so first year making the team, I remember making it and then just going back to my hotel room in Birmingham. And I was just like, because the trials were in, in Alexander Stadium, and I was just like, I was just sitting around. I was like, what's just happened? Like, I'm going to the Because I had always, that year, I'd always planned, we got tickets. So I'd always planned to go and watch it. That's like, crazy. And, watch it. and then literally, I was like, oh my God, I'm actually going to be there. And then, it, like I said, it didn't quite hit me the scale of it until afterwards, but going to the Olympics was was the best championships I've in London was the best championships I've ever been to. Just being in London, representing your country and having the whole crowd like walking into the stadium and and from the minute you walk in and people see you, they're screaming your name. And that's something I'd never had before. I'd never had people even know me. People coming up to me asking me for pictures and autographs. I was like, what? Like I was quite like I was like, what what's going on? I was trying to see everyone and, and meet everyone and and I remember my room, so Greg Rutherford, who you mentioned, he was actually in my apartment. He was one of my apartment mates. So, it was, we were six of us in the apartment. It was Greg Rutherford, a guy, Paul Volta, called Steve Lewis, Dwayne Chambers, Christian Malcolm, and then myself and Danny Talbot. So, myself and Danny were the young athletes on the team. So, being with those four really part that, mate, they helped us a lot. They helped us a lot <laughs>
2: to sort of
0: being in amongst the Olympic, like just to not lose your head because it's so <laughs> overwhelming. Like, it, you guys will know, being being at that being at like championships like that can be very very overwhelming especially you go into like the food hall and there's just food everywhere and it's and it's all free and you can pick anything you want and there's no like it's not all healthy it's there's there's unhealthy food there there's a a mcdonald's there like it's and they they just help keep an eye on us and make sure listen you're here to compete like enjoy this enjoy the enjoy the spectacle but at the end of the day you're here to to run and that, that really that really helped me myself and danny a lot and um sharing with those guys and then obviously seeing what Greg did and he, I remember he walked back into the room and he had his gold medal and we were like <laughs> mate what a, what a <laughs> gold medal like yeah I've got pictures of it, the medal like I was like mate can I borrow your medal take a few pictures of it and like you just gave it to me I was in the bathroom taking selfies and sending <laughs> it to my family <laughs> and my friends like gold medal <laughs> um, so yeah it was just it was just a different different world it was a nice time and I think it was a very happy time if I could go back and live live a section of of my track career again it'd be, right. it'd be that career for sure that, that that moment
1: for sure yeah and that kind of answers the next question really but we, we we look at like role models and and influences on like in the track and field who who would you say your influences and role models in the kind of british team past and present and then the international team past and present
0: so Definitely on a British team, someone people I always looked up to and spoke to, and especially when I was a young developing athlete, was obviously Dwayne Chambers, Christian Malcolm, Darren Campbell. These guys were always open for advice, always, always so eager to to let you to to share their knowledge. They weren't like quiet. oh, there's a young guy coming up. No, I'm not going to help him out. They were so helpful and uh, taught taught me a lot for sure. Jeanette Quatchi as well, someone who came in and really humbled me a lot sometimes if I ran a bit fast she doesn't matter she kept my feet firmly on the ground she was like what you think you're a superstar now She was like no <laughs> get back over there and, and start running yeah exactly that's we would be running <laughs> together internationally someone obviously you can't say Usain Bolt was such an inspiration and and not just for what he did on the track and and off the track like carrying the sport Advice that he's given me. He, I remember one one um, championships in Moscow. He walked me through the the mix zone, and told the journalist like, "You need to leave him. You need to let him develop at his own age. Don't start putting all this pressure on him." Like, I just run sub twenty, so I was like really happy. And He was like, "Listen, develop at your own time. Take your time. You you'll have a great career." And he was just always open for advice. Um, the first thing he said to me was, oh, you used to play football. I want to be a footballer. What are you doing here? You had the opportunity <laughs> and you, you chose track. Are you crazy? So, um, yeah, obviously internationally you say involved, you see. Um, so in track so you've developed
1: is. you've de- developed a real good toolkit there, haven't you? That, from obviously those influences and I think that's really important for those younger athletes, again, that are listening and watching that they want to develop their own toolkit and learn from other mm. people's experiences but, but think about the, their own kind of core values and develop their own uh, toolkit I also have this sieve that I have that I put all people's like best skill sets and then shake that sieve and then the one the things that stick in that sieve are the things that I take out and try and use myself and I know from from listening to you how you talk uh, eloquently about other athletes I think it's really important to you to respect the the past as well as look to the future
0: right for sure for sure some p- a piece of advice I remember being 18 and, and be- we came on a training camp in Florida and I hadn't run fast at all. I was I know I I had wasn't established in track and field at all. And Tyson Gay, who's one of the all-time greats in our sport, one of the second fastest man of all time. He sat down with me and my coach at the time was a guy called Michael Lafalaka and he introduced me to Tyson and we got on really well. And Tyson had no second fastest guy of all time and he was spending the time with me telling me about how to do, how to have longevity. He was like, "Listen, you, it's all about training smart." Not the the person that trains the hardest isn't always the most successful. It's training smart for your body, learning what what works for you, what works for other people might not work for you. And he didn't need to do that. So that's why I I love track and field because it's just got nice people in it that just want people to be happy and successful. Like football football is great as well. But football is, um, the thing I found, football is very opinion-based. And you could be Cristiano Ronaldo in one person's eyes and in, in another person's eyes you're not. But in track and field, if you run a time, that's your time. That's that's how fast you run, and no one can take that away from you. Not saying anything bad about football. I love football. Like it's it was my thing, but it's just different. It was a different different group of people. That you, I didn't have to be, be like in the in the changing room, put on a vibe, and which a lot of young young footballers do. They they play up to it and try and be like a lad, and uh, that's not me. But in that environment, sometimes you have to do that.
2: You, you spoke about getting sub sub 20 um and then you've you've also achieved you broke the 10 second barrier as well like what what's your kind of favorite event like what time are you most proud of
0: i, I love both events i love both sprint mm. events my favorite i i enjoy the 200 a lot more just because it gives me a lot more time to to actually get into my running in 100 meters it's if you make a mistake in 100 meters it's over so quickly at that level people and People are massive and they're 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 hungry, ready to rip your head off. And like I said, if you make a mistake, it's it's game over. It's so hard against the world class field to really run people down. In the two hundred, it's a lot more tactical. It's a lot more right. I'm going to go off hard here, then then coast and go again, and or he's going to go off to one fifty and die. And so it's so much more tactical, and, and I love that. I love that tactics and that sort of sort of mind games and I, yeah that. So for me. I really love the 200 I love both but my favorite is probably the 200 for sure.
2: And that that moves on to my next like how how hard is it to actually break the 10 second 20 second barrier?
0: Yeah, it's not easy I think. Yeah. In history I think when I when I when I went sub 10 and sub 20 I think I was like the 30th person in history which is if you think of how many people yeah, have been it's in the whole world and crazy. I, was, I was yeah it's not it's very very select few people can do that because you've got to have you've got to have the the talent you've got to have the natural genetics to do it and then you've got to also just it's all good having that but you have to also train and put yourself physically in the, in the right sort of physical shape to do that be mentally be mentally ready and then execute and usually execute in front of a crowd of people with people next to you either side of you ready to like rip your head off so it's yeah it's very very difficult it's not something that's easy to do but um yeah, I feel very proud to have done sort of both.
2: And obviously, being a high-performing athlete, um, what would you say are factors that were able to, for you to achieve those times? Me, me and Rich talk a lot about the support team that we've got around us, the training environment, obviously the amount of recovery, the lifestyle you lead. Um, yeah, what what are your type of factors?
0: Yeah, there's a lot. I think for, for you guys said it, like, so correctly when people see athletes compete they see the easy part they see they see um they see me running for 10 or 20 seconds and oh that's what it's so easy what you do they don't see how much hard work goes into it from not just myself from so many other people my coach my therapist um psychologist if you use it nutritionist um osteo like there's there's such a handful of people who invest so much time into you like we train 10 11 months of the year and we get one so for, for a season that lasts three or four months. <laughs> so we put so much hard work into that 10 or 20 seconds. It's, it's, yeah, there's so much factors that go into it. It's not just about how hard you train as well. It's how you live, which I, it took me a while to understand that, but it's, it's all good being able to do and smash a really hard session and, and, come, and like, yeah, you're really happy with yourself. What the hard thing is, is can I go home, recover, so I, can I sleep and eat enough, eat enough to come back and do it the next day? Mm-hmm. Go again, right? And, the, again. Next day, and again. the next day. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's when it gets difficult. And that's what people don't realize. It's, you can run one great time or you can run one great session, but the recovery and what you do off the track is probably more important than the, the work you do on the track. So for me, that's a factor that I found really needed, needed work, my, my supplements, my nutrition, and my sleep. And that's what I've really sort of focused on and, and I've seen great results because of
1: it. Yeah, mate, you look in great
0: shape as well. You look like <laughs> Thanks, uh, mate. You're
1: trimmed up and you're, ready to, you're to. ready to fire.
0: Yeah, got to, got to, man. You see these guys that I run against, you see them on the line, they're all massive rips, 10-pack. It's, it's, no, it's, it's, it's not about them. Sure. It's do not about them, man. It's about you. Do you know one
1: thing, one thing that I, I did want to ask you about is, you know, if it all goes wrong, say you do get injured or things just don't align, mentally, how do you cope with that? And can you kind of think about a scenario that's that's happened to yourself when you've been injured and you've kind of had to reflect on maybe some of the choices you've made? Yeah, for sure, man.
0: I think any every athlete go, will go, go has been through injury or will go through injury. If you find me an athlete in any sport that doesn't go through injury, then you found one in a billion because that just doesn't happen. Um, the, some advice I got from a from a hurdler, um, American hurdler called David Oliver. So he was like, I, I remember at the time I was really injured um, and I, me- I was at a track meet with him and I was like really soppy and really down. And and he just said to me, take some time to to, to understand what's happened to you. But it's not a pity party. No one's going to feel sorry for you. It's That's what he said to me. He just brutally said, it's not a pity party. You need to now work and do the boring stuff to get yourself back up to where you need to be and at a better level than you're already at. So you don't get injured. Um, but mentally, it's tough. Mentally. I find you do need to take a day or a couple of days to, to understand what's happened to you, accept it. Once you've accepted it, it's out of your mind, what am I, what am I going to do every single day now to get myself healthy and, and ready to run? Um, because Mentally it's yeah, tough
1: though, isn't it? Mentally, it's tough. So Sometimes, I I, I, um, I had a, a fall um, earlier this year and one uh, of my blades snapped and I had concussion. So I had three weeks when I couldn't train at all and I hit, I hit the ground about 24 miles an hour. So I was running probably for those that are watching, listening. So every hundred meters, nine point nine seconds. So that's my last hundred meters. So I was flat out, and then snap, go down, hit the floor, and literally in that moment, I was like, "This might be my last time I like set on the set foot on the track." Do you know? Yeah. One of those moments. Yeah, and, for sure. Because you must have had those moments. I know from your career, you must have had those moments. Where you think This Achilles, this hamstring. That might finish me forever on the track. And how yeah. do you then cope with that? You, you have to stay positive. I may. Mean, I've
0: been. I've been at Loughborough and and I've seen you sprinting, pegging it full, full, full sprint outside. And I've seen your blade snap before. And I've always thought, oh my god, like it's, it's okay, go. the speed. The, the speed you get to as well. It's absolutely. It's absolutely crazy. Um, but I've definitely had a moment like that. My my big moment for me was in um was in uh, 2015, and I. That's I, first time I ran sub sub ten seconds. I dipped like an idiot. I thinking it was an Olympic final. It wasn't. It was a dunk. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. I fell over, um, and yeah, my hamstring. I felt it's like I've been shot. It was the worst pain I've ever had. My hamstring just went like that. Tore it. Grade grade four. I, don't, I can't remember what it was. It was it was yeah. awful. disconnection. Yeah, it was it was awful. Yeah. And I I thought right, that's it. I remember getting the scan and the guy was telling me how bad it was. And I was like, that might be it. That might be it. And I was sitting with my parents and they were like, no, no, don't be silly. And I was just there like, I think that's it. I think this is going to be a really hard injury to come back from. And it was, it took me years and years to get fully fit again, but, um, I never lost that faith. I always had that faith. Once I put that out of my mind, you can't think like, like that's going to be, that's going to be it. Your, your career is going to be done. Um, I was only young as well i was twenty two at the time so I thought you know what you've got enough time to get back into it but if I had an injury I love that as well now, I love
1: that ha- t- having the faith I love that mm-hmm. you
0: have to you have to have faith if you're negative you, your cortisol builds up and you, you're only going to get into a worse state you've got to be positive and and try and fill your fill your body with positive <coughs> positive positive energy manifest being being healthy and it happens
2: and that that leads nicely onto my my next question because obviously we're we're living in a very weird time at the moment and obviously people need to be stay positive so that's a really really good message um, and obviously um, I, like I'm feeling pretty positive about the Olympics happening um, like what what what's kind of your thoughts how are you feeling head head of Tokyo
0: yeah um, I, I do you know what it's good you said that I was I I had a few months of quite a down. I've never actually spoken about it. I put a little thing on Instagram a, a few weeks ago, but I've never actually spoken about this. I have always come across as being a really positive, bubbly person. But, and sometimes that's really hard to to sort of maintain. And everyone always looks to you like you're a superhero, especially as an athlete. You guys know everyone always looks to you like you're resilient and nothing's going to bother you and you just get on with it. But the last few months, especially when the Olympics got cancelled, I really went into a big dip mentally like i was i was getting anxious i was i wasn't sleeping well i was i was waking up in like hot sweats not knowing what what, what was going on because like, i just had no purpose and i just i was there was a lot of external factors going on like a lot of sponsorship stuff as well because the olympics didn't happen so i was just in a really bad place and and i found talking about it with my friends in the family which i didn't want to do because i i feel like oh you should be strong enough to to get on with it like with yourself but me sharing the burden with those guys really, really helped. And they gave me a lot of perspective about what I'm doing as a job. And it's just running in a circle as a job. Why am I getting so stressed up? Why am I getting so stressed about it? Like there's life after sport. Um, and then obviously seeing what's happening now with the Olympics. I, I sit on a few BOA calls um, and we got regular communication with our governing body. I train with one of Japan's fastest athletes. So he's in regular contact with his own governing body. So as far as I know, it's definitely happening. Mm. There's a new COVID-19 that comes out and it destroys the whole world. Like the Japanese are planning for it to definitely happen. So for me, that put me in a positive mindset. I've got Mm. targets, I've got goals to aim for. I I really work well when I'm aiming towards a goal, long-term and short-term. So I always, it was nice to have a long-term goal to aim for and uh, yeah, put me in a positive mindset and I was able to knuckle down and and get into a nice positive mindset Mm. and uh, yeah, go out and train every day.
2: No, really appreciate you opening up as well because there'll be a lot of people kind of listening and, and uh, watching this and, and feeling the same about about a number of different issues, but being mm. able to kind of open up, either speak to friends, family, or, or somebody else about how they're feeling. Like you say, like kind of um, put that, but not put the burden on them, but being able to have that communication. Yeah, like- exactly. Yeah. And I think that's really important. So, we, yeah, thank you for, for no. saying that.
0: My pleasure it's yeah it was a tough time but there's always light at the end of the tunnel always no matter how long the tunnel may seem there's always light yeah.
1: don't a lot positive though you're in florida yeah. now you're I in know. florida sun's out adam jamili's guns out that's, you. not really that's,
0: that's the gun,
1: the gun, it you've been working I've, mate i've I follow you on Instagram and I definitely know you've been doing some curls. I'm not sure it's a benefit of you running, but I know you've definitely been for the finishing (laughs) line pose when you win that medal, obviously, in Tokyo. But um, obviously you're in in, uh, Florida. I went to South Africa for a month. Like you know, I go out there to to train. Can you talk to us about the benefits and the reason why you've you've gone out to Florida? A lot of athletes go and train in, in different environments and obviously yours is specific to what you want to do. So can you talk about that? yeah for sure
0: so I'm in Florida my to, first and foremost is because of my training group so my my coach is based out in Florida and my training group. Um, and I put myself in the environment. I realized quite 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 quickly that if I want to be the best, I have to train with the best and I have to train with them every day, beat them every day. So when it comes to the Olympic final, I'm not I, I'm confident I'm like right I can I back myself and I'm, and that's why I've always got confidence because I if you put yourself out there with the best, it gives you that confidence so i train with some of the best sprinters in the world like if we i think there's probably eight or nine of us that if we line up everyone has a pb under 10 seconds some nine eight everyone's the top of their game for their country we've got seven different countries athletes that we train with canada america jamaica uh france like nigeria we got we've got such a array of people um that's partly why that why I've done it. Obviously, my coach is out here, and he's phenomenal. I trust him, and I know he'll get me in the best shape. And then the benefits are the weather. <laughs> the, that's what people don't understand, and they 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 see these Jamaicans and stuff, and these guys, that, these Americans that have been doing it for years. And we are such a disadvantage in the UK because as soon as you're trying to exercise, you're contracting your muscles, so you're like you're you're working. If it's already cold, you've already got that contraction, so it's like that's where you start becoming more prone to injury. So Being in the sun allows you to get some vitamin D on your back, allows your muscles to relax. And if you want to run fast, um, contrary to what you might think, a long, relaxed muscle is a fast muscle. So the more relaxed you are, the faster you will run. So being in the sun has huge, huge benefits uh, uh, in terms of for the body as well.
2: And what are like your personal goals going into the Games?
0: The win. (laughs) Honestly, win. (laughs) I'm at an age now where... And I've I, always love said, you have I love to, that. I love that. And you've, you've always had that mentality as well. You've always that's had it.
1: You, you need to go for it. What's the point of accepting we, second, third, or fourth, man? You need to go for the win, right?
0: We train so hard every day. We push our bodies to the edge. I throw up after every set. Uh, I push my body so hard that it makes me vomit. Like I give up so much time. I move away from my family, my friends, my girlfriend, like to to be successful. to why? To fill a lane, to make a semi-final, to put mm. that picture on Instagram and say, oh, I made a semi-final and get people saying, oh, that's okay. No, no way to make someone else look better. I think when you put, especially in Great Britain, once you put that, that British vest on, you are not there to fill lanes and make anyone else look good. You're there to challenge the best in the world. And if you're aiming to be the best, then if you fail, then then so be it. If, you, if you're aiming to be third place or make a final, you're just limiting limiting what you can do so as ludicrous as it sounds you always have to go into every race thinking you're going to win and especially even if that's the olympics so uh that's the attitude i've had rich has had and, and yourself has had being being at the top of your games as well so it's like yeah i, I don't know why you would have any other attitude
1: yeah. and what and what would you like how would you like to be remembered <clears throat> as a as a person
0: and as an athlete so I would like to be remembered as a person first. Thing. I don't want people to go when they say, oh, what was Adam like? Oh, yeah, he was a good athlete. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want that to be the first thing people say. I want to say, what was Adam like? Yeah, he was a kind guy. He was funny. He cared about people. He, he really, he, he was a nice person. And yeah, also his track and field was great. He ran really fast and and and, and won lots of medals. Um, but for me, yeah, it's definitely about being a role model, inspiring the future, inspiring a new generation, especially in these times we live in. It's so difficult for, for young athletes to feel that motivation to get out and and keep training when it's so easy to sit in front of a TV and play play games, PlayStation, Xbox, PC all day. Um, so for me, I think us athletes we now have added responsibility to to start inspiring this generation who who might not have that motivation to do sport. So,
1: and you've definitely embraced the the the, the, the getting that that British tracksuit, getting that British vest, and you've you've obviously set up uh, with some fellow athletes the uh, mentoring network yes yeah and i know you're passionate about that what does that involve and and where
0: are you at at the moment with that so we so myself so it came originally from myself athlete called emily diamond and an athlete called holly bradshaw uh so we we came together and we thought there's not there's not anything any program going on where these young futures athletes have access to us senior athletes and we've got so much experience and so much knowledge to share with these guys that can actually really benefit them. And if we can teach them to not make the same mistakes that we had. Um, so we set up a something called Athlete Connect. And now we've got, I think there's about eight athletes, myself. So uh, there's yeah, there's Laura Waitman, Tom Bosworth is there, uh, Sophie McKenna, Katarina Johnson-Thompson, Andy Pozzi. So we, we're all part of this program, Die Green. Uh, and we set up uh, monthly calls. I think we had about 200 athletes on the last one. I think the next call is, is it Thursday today? Oh, the next call is today, actually. Uh, it's, the last <laughs> Thursday. it's the last Thursday of every month. We do a call with three new athletes um, and we invite the guys in and there's a different theme every time and they send us the questions and and we only talk for an hour, but we just go through any anything that we want to talk about to them and if they want to ask some questions. And, yeah, we did that off our own backs and just just because we thought – there's nothing like that. And if we can help inspire one or two of those athletes to go on to be Olympic champions, then our job's done. So um mate, that is
1: brilliant. Mm-hmm. And also Thank it's you. gone it's gone into our final part of our podcast, <laughs> which we actually ask you ten questions. These are random ten questions right, let's
0: go. <laughs>
1: that I came up with about six months ago. And they're not that bad, mate. They're not that bad. No, no, they
2: are good.
1: Okay, Come, first one else. Know. I'll okay, go then. Okay. Uh, first one. This is going to be your hardest question, I reckon. Right. First question Oof. is track or ball? <laughs> track.
0: Track. track, track. Oh! Oh! That's, That that's me to say as someone who follows. People, I thought you were going to struggle, struggle. Adam, like... I
2: thought you were going to help me on this. Oh, so I've literally oh, had yeah. one person that's done it on this podcast. So oh, I'm on struggle yeah. straight here.
0: It's very close, but track is definitely. Ed- <laughs> it for me.
2: Okay. Um, what is your greatest accomplishment in life so far?
0: Oh, wow, Jeez, <laughs> we're just um, going
2: probably, in deep real deep
0: probably probably when I became we won the world championships in the 4x1 um, in London we did that in 2017 that was to be a world champion if anything is, was just yeah. phenomenal and to do that in London was just different level so yeah. next question is do you believe in ghosts? <laughs> do you know what I, I don't want to say like, I do but sometimes things happen and you're like that's very odd. So I don't know. Mm. Um, energy, more energy. Maybe there's Maybe. energy. <laughs> not, I don't believe there's like a go. Woo, like <laughs> Maybe I'll, yeah, but not so much now.
2: Uh, okay. <laughs> What's the biggest risk you've ever taken?
0: Starting track and field. Leaving my whole career in football. Um, when you had a pro, I had a pro contract there for nothing, for no guarantee of anything in running. That was the biggest risk. Yeah, it, it turned out pretty good
1: yeah it's epic yeah, yeah. and that's uh, like I say there's lots of lessons for people out there around around risk to reward and mm-hmm. you obviously fo- followed your heart there and you, you've seen the, the rewards yeah. of that and it's not just obviously in track and field but in yourself as well I think you've been loyal to, to who you are okay oh, next question is can you sing
0: in the shower yes okay. I like- uh, what's your go to <laughs> song <laughs> I like uh, Ironic by Alanis Morissette that, oh,
2: is that is a great that is, song. That's a great yeah. song. How's how oh,
0: that go, mate? How's that go? Uh, you have to find out
2: <laughs> online. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to do it then, actually. But, uh... Okay, when are you your happiest?
0: Uh, when I'm around my family, and my friends, my girlfriend, people, the people that I love and care about. That's, yeah, that's just the best feeling. You're having some nice food and you're just watching a bit of telly or something. You're just surrounded by the people you love. Yeah, 100%.
1: What's the silliest thing you've ever get got upset about?
0: <laughs> the, <silliest laughs> the
1: story behind this. There must uh, be the, uh, yeah. just there,
0: There's a lot. I get something. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes when I'm hungry, I get things. When I'm hungry, I get upset by Hungry? You're hungry, right? Oh, I get hungry.
2: yeah. I'm
0: really. I just get really. There was a story. Yeah, I was. I was um, driving with with. Uh, with a friend of mine and and uh we were having a discussion about traffic lights because the, the light was blinking yellow and i, I thought that the blinking yellow meant something and she thought it meant something else and it turns out she was right but we got into such an argument and i got so angry and upset by this because and it turns out i was just hungry but like <laughs> it, 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 it was like what does the blinking yellow mean? Does it mean give way? Does it mean go- like it was so stupid, but that, that's the first yeah. thing that comes to mind because I yeah. remember how it became a massive deal when it was traffic light. Okay.
2: Where do you see yourself in 10 years?
0: <sighs> hopefully, hopefully I would love to be in the governance of sport as a job. I'd love to, I feel like I could definitely make a change. I've been in the sport for for a while now and I've got some good ideas and I really believe I can make a change for the future, so I would love to be in the governance of sport. But yeah, hopefully with a nice family and uh, yeah, <laughs> not not stressing about too much. Just getting fat, enjoying food, being big. Like I'm genetically meant to be fat. I can't wait till that day. <laughs> I don't know.
1: I'm, to... I'm putting a timer on my phone for ten years, and we're going to re- re- redo <laughs> <Absolutely>. this again. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah,
0: job wise, definitely. Hopefully in the governance of sport, I'd love to do that. How would your
1: friends describe you
0: big loser definitely <laughs> weird I'd definitely say weird weird <laughs> happy um and then just yeah i don't know like energetic like maybe a maybe border on adhd like i'm always like twi- like i always around i like, always got a million thoughts going through my head and just speak them all at the same time but um yeah, probably like that.
2: Okay, and the final one is: What's your greatest fear?
0: Well, oh, what actually physical physical fear, or actually mentally like like a physical like fear of failure? Because I obviously I fear failure for sure, like most people do. My physical like physical fear would be rats. Really? You want to see? You want to see me scream and cry like a girl? That's what you put. <laughs> no way no way i've, and I've, been, I've been with my, my grandma who's she's barely five foot some old 80 year old iranian lady and we've been in her garage before and there was a rat in there and she just picked it up with her hand like that and i was like, i was like 16 17 years old and she was like what Why are you scared of it? it's a rat like I mean, yeah rats Don't like and then obviously yeah failure as well in terms mm-hmm. of being a bit more serious that was uh um, i've got I've got some things
1: now that I could pass on to your teammates for Tokyo for sure. <laughs>
0: hey, uh, that's a, there's a reason I could never do celeb or any jungle show like that. <laughs> no way. Are you joking? Spiders <laughs> fine, snakes fine, bugs fine, rats? Mm-mm. No,
1: no. <laughs> well, thank you, Adam. You're, you're a star. You've I think there's there's some great messages in there for the listeners and viewers, mm-hmm. and for myself and Ellen, we've we've definitely enjoyed. Uh, your your company and good luck, obviously Thank for you. this you year
2: you going into yeah. Tokyo. You guys, no, thanks, me. Adam, appreciate Thank it.
0: Thank you so much.
2: So that was amazing to be joined by Adam Jamili there for for our podcast. An amazing guest, and also it was so refreshing. Um, and he was just so honest and open. And it's really great to see a guest as well feeling really comfortable to be able to open up. Um, and I really um thought some of the stuff he was talking about where after the Olympics was cancelled and moved on to a year, um, that he he really had um, a time where he felt quite down. Um, and I think him saying that he opened up to his friends and family, um, especially living in a global pandemic at the moment and people feeling that way. I know we've got a lot of positive hopefully coming soon. But, yeah, I really, I really appreciated him being able to open up and, and say Um, that that he was struggling um but he did open up and speak to people and and having that positive mindset
1: one of the the things that we wanted to do with this podcast is to have these kind of conversations these transparent and honest conversations with athletes and to give them the platform to talk openly about what's really uh, passionate and and what really means a lot to them and to have somebody like adam uh, and be part of his journey into Tokyo. I think it's been really important for us as well because we're in, in very similar um, uh, journeys. And uh, for me, as a as a, an individual athlete, and for you, Elves, I'm sure being as team athlete, you've taken some real positive messages f- from that. And one of the things that I I thought was really important that he he's learning all the time. He learned from when he was a junior to a senior to then the the lessons is learned from other athletes on the on the way
2: thank you so much for joining us for this episode of track and ball podcast make sure to subscribe to our youtube channel and make sure to comment on our twitter page who you'd like us to have as guests um any comments any questions we'll be happy to answer but we really appreciate all your support as well cross comes in white with the header and
0: here comes whitehead it's gold for great britain